Thank you so much. Mr. Martin Kerr. I said earlier, I don't know what good thing we did to bring that fellow into our lives, but I'm sure glad we did. So thank you, Martin. Alrighty. So if you're here for the first time, welcome. Thank you. There she comes. I'll let you run up the aisle and get settled. There's no hurry. That's one of the first rules here. We slow down. Because it's so easy to get hurrying, isn't it? So welcome. I'm, uh, I'm the spiritual director here. I'm uh, Reverend Patrick Cameron. And November 1st, which is a few days away, will mark uh, 15 years I've been uh, with the, this community. Who knew? No? They said it would never last. So, but nothing lasts forever. Didn't we just hear that song? Yeah. So, but, but the beautiful thing is we have this moment. And as Dr. Holmes said so beautifully, that what's important is that we're alive and we live fully in this moment. He's such a beautiful, beautiful man. So thank you. We have been... Uh, there's a lot of things that are, are bubbling up and, and emerging in the newness of this community. Uh, and I want to let you know all is well. Uh, we're, we're, there's some exciting, exciting things happening. I'm going to talk about a few of them this morning. But this um, philosophy, this way of life, has never been more uh, needed on this planet. And so I think what it asks of us then is to bring our best to it. To be... Um, to gird our conviction as we look out in the world and we see some of the, some of the ignorance that's unfolding, the violence, the, the, uh, the blaming and shaming and the idea of separation and all the things that are going on. It, we, and we will always have that. I don't think that ever goes away. But how do we put that in a context? How do we show up at our best? And so uh, I'm gonna, we're going to have that discussion this morning. But um, you'll see over the course of the next few months some wonderful, amazing things. We're going to try some things on, as Robin so beautifully said in her, her presiding this morning. Uh, we're trying on a new um, mission statement. Why do we, you know, to, to teach and live from love has carried us many, many years. But we're really here about transforming lives. If our lives are not being transformed, then we're missing the mark in some way. And that doesn't have to be a burden. It just becomes something that we're devoted to. And, and it informs our conversation. So we're here to try that out. We've got this concert series that's, that's bubbling up, and that's been a vision of Martin and his, his manager, Anthony Lovesy. For a, we've talked about it for many months. When I first came here, we tried to do a coffee house night, same idea, and it worked for a little bit, and then it fell, it fell apart. So it's taken the consciousness, us to build the consciousness in a container to welcome it in a way that we couldn't even have imagined and to call upon the expertise and the and the vision and the consciousness of these two beautiful artists. We are so blessed to have somebody like Martin Kerr come and sing with us, our musicians. We have some beautiful in-house musicians as well that just show up and share their love through music every week. So anyway, I'm, just, I'm, I'm circulating gratitude in my own heart as I mention these things. This builds a consciousness. See, what we say we become. And so I want to speak gratitude to you because and to model for you a behavior. So stand before your mirror tomorrow morning and, and talk about the things you're grateful for. And let that carry you out the door. Because otherwise, somebody else's ideas and something that is not true about you can carry you out the door. And that's the last thing we want to have happen. All right, cool. So, thank you for allowing me to 
get that off my chest. What I'm going to invite you to do right now is we're going to drop into some silence. I just want to remind you, I know you know this, but let me call your awareness to this, what a container of unconditional love you are. You are the thing itself. God so loved the world, it sent its only begotten son and daughter. And that's what you are. No doubt about it. And so as we drop into silence, let that marinate within you. Let that cook you slowly and wonderfully. Like a crock pot of love. All right, so let's begin our silence, and then I will offer a song. Please feel free to sing along. If not, if you don't know it, it's fine. Let it be part of the soundtrack of this morning for you. And I'll offer a prayer. Let's begin. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So let's know this together. What I'm knowing and affirming in the I am for each person here, and if my words are fit for you, then a yes is all that's required, an openness and a willingness. And if they don't fit, let them wash over you. Witness them, but don't give it any energy. But the truth of our being is there's one life. That life is God. That life is spirit. That life is perfect. And that life is my life right here and right now. And by my life, I mean our life. Truth of our being. We are eternal. We are invincible. We have come, we have incarnated here to, be, to challenge ourselves, the status quo of consciousness, and to give birth to something that is wonderful, powerful, beautiful, to live in joy and celebration, to model a new way of being upon this planet and, and within this realm like never before. A vision that was laid down by many great avatars and teachers throughout the ages. A tradition of joy and celebration to welcome the biggest idea possible in and through and as each and every one of us, and to accept that, not as exceptional, but the truth, the truth of our being. Because if we know it for ourselves, we can know it for one another. And we can know it for humanity. Humanity is longing to know and live from what we are attempting to give our best to. And it's a challenge sometimes. We get discouraged sometimes. We go off the rails sometimes. But that is the human condition that we've been born into. It is the conditions around us, but it is not who we are. So we come together today in celebration of this truth. I know that this auditorium, this room, is filled with a grace and a beauty that people are loved beyond measure here and now. 
that something as powerful as having its way by means of us because we call our attention to that and welcome that. It requires an invitation. One life, God's life, that life is my life now. That is the invitation. And so I know that for myself and I know it for you. I see it in you. And I refuse to know anything else. You are love and loved. You are powerful. You are creative. You can heal anything and everything. We are here to live and express the alchemy of this realm, the magic of this realm, the wonder of this realm, to live in joy and celebration. For this I give thanks, knowing that we've planted seeds, we've initiated something, we've called something forth here today that works for us, through us and as us, from this point forward. And if we forget and go off the rails, we call ourselves back to this knowing. And it always says yes. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So, we are talking about transformation, and we're trying on that transformation, transforming lives. And I've been inspired by this wonderful book by um, Michael Singer this month. Michael Singer, the, uh, so in transformation, what do you have to lose is, is the, the subtitle of that. What do you have to lose? What, or what you have to lose, not what do you have to lose, but what you have to lose to step into transformation. So three ideas I want to discuss with you today. One is the fear as opportunity. Number two, spiritual evolution and noticing and letting go. So three simple practices from his chapter. I believe this is chapter nine in, the, in his book, uh, The Untethered Soul. It's beautiful, beautiful. So if you find some of these ideas that resonate with you, read it. We need to read these things over and over again. Repetition, repetition, repetition. And so uh, the first slide that I want to share with you comes from um, uh, Michael's book, or second slide. The natural ups and downs of life can either generate personal growth or create personal fears. Which of these dominate, dominate is completely dependent upon how we view change. So has this shown up in our lives to scare us or to inspire us to change, to transform? That's the question. What? That's what the spiritual awake and alive on this planet do. That's what the 1%, let's put ourselves in the 1% of the spiritual evolution. Because it's rare. Most people get scared and they stay scared. And then they build a whole life around it. And so, the natural ups and downs of life can generate personal growth or personal fear. Fear is a thing, Michael Singer says. Fear is just another object in the universe that you're capable of experiencing. So it becomes our experience, it doesn't become who we are. So fear is opportunity. There we go. There's a young lady dressed up in her, her work finest, going to pass through that, that sliver of light between the two dark walls, the unknown. That's such a great metaphor. It's fear is opportunity because she's stepping into that fear is opportunity. The great writer, Napoleon Hill, who wrote Think and Grow Rich, wrote this about fear. He said, fear is the tool of a man-made devil. So we made it up. It's a man-made devil, fear. Self-confident faith in oneself is both the man-made weapon which defeats this devil and the man-made tool which builds a triumphant life. So we are here as the 1% of spiritually evolving individuals that are willing to defeat that idea of the devil. We don't even teach the devil. We don't teach it. Dr. Holmes said there's, that's so silly that we would have this idea. There's a devil and there's hell that we burn in for eternity. Most people are burning in hell right now. Hell is a state of being. You know them. 
You know who I'm talking about? Turn to the person next to you and tell that person who that is in your life right now. No, I'm just kidding. We'll get there in a moment. We're not going to start doing public confessions. And he says it's more than that. It is a link to the irresistible forces of the universe which stand behind a person who does not believe in failure and defeat as being anything but temporary experiences. So your failure and defeat is not who you are. It is a temporary experience. It is a temporary experience. And I refuse. You can come and argue with me and you can send me articles and you can write me letters to convince me that you are exceptional and that you are eternally broken. (laughs) And I'm still not going to agree with you. Because once you convince me, we're done. And I've had people convince me. Pour out their story, pour out their story. And I'm, well, you don't know what happened to me. All right, tell me what happened to you. I'll listen one more time, and that's it. Because I'm not interested in what happened to you. We need to process it. We need to get it up. We need to get it out. We need to pull, we need to pull up the emotions that are wrapped around it. All that stuff needs to happen. And then we need to take all that energy that we put in our past and start crafting our destiny. That's the truth. That's the hard part. That's called transformation. Because it's so easy to get stuck. And some people, extra, extra grace is required. We don't have all the tools here, the capacity to unravel some of those things that are those deep psychological things. That's why there's other people out in the world that do that. Sometimes we need medication to get through it. God bless the medication. You know why medication works? I'm editing myself now. Hey, look at that. Because we believe it's going to work. If you take, if you take, they found that people that, that don't think it's going to work take medication, same thing as the placebo. Not in every case. But many times it's not effective. If you take, a, you know, you go in and take a med, I just got that flu vaccine. Man, oh man, this year, oh, it's like, why am I so sore? And there, it just went into every joint this year. But I had this two-year-old granddaughter that I adore. And the agreement I have with mom and dad is get that flu vaccine. You don't have to get it. You just can't hang out with our two-year-old. All right, I'll get the, give me the shot. I'm good with that. And I, and I go and I say, you know what? I'm doing this because what it does for them, it sets up in consciousness a sense of love and a sense of, of, of security for them. And I'm all for that. I'm for the love. I don't have to stand and say, well, our vaccine's no good for me. I read this article. I was like, give me the shot. It's just something going in and going out. No vaccine's going to, I don't get sick. Laura said to me, you haven't been sick in a long time. I said, yeah, I don't get sick. I don't do sick anymore. You just do sick all the time. I live forever. I went to the doctor the other day. He said, I've never seen anything like it. You'll probably live forever. I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's my plan. Well, you do live forever. The truth of us does live forever. But so this idea of fear, let me get back into that because this is such a... Such an exciting, fun thing for people. Let me tell you how we do this fear thing. So what we do is we, we, we have this fear or insecurity or weakness inside of us, and we attempt to keep it from being stimulated. So our, we, we create a whole life around that. So as long as your fear doesn't get triggered, it's good. So, and because you resist changes, you feel that you're struggling with life. Because fear shows up as an opportunity, but we think it's a problem. So we have this person that's not behaving the way they should. Anybody ever had that experience? Yeah, or you, you have, this event is not unfolding the way you'd like. This isn't the talk I signed up for. How can I get out of here? Oh my gosh, she's going to talk forever today, you know, that kind of thing. 
Well, I watch you watching your watch back there. It's this one guy that used to come in all the time, and he'd go. So I knew that he was not paying attention. I was not providing the stimulation that he needed. But either way, I didn't get scared about it. It was just a thing. Or situations in the past are disturbing you, or something down the road appears as a potential problem. Anybody relate to any of that? Yeah. All right. So your definition of desirable and undesirable as well as as good and bad all come out because you have defined how things need to be in order for you to feel okay about life. Right? That's how most people operate. We think we're supposed to figure out how life should be and then make it that way. Anybody relate to that? I know what life should look like. And now I'm going to make it that way. That is one of the biggest traps we fall into as metaphysicians. We think we got it all figured out. When I first came in these doors 30 years ago, I found this teaching and I thought, that's what brought me in. This is great. They got a religion and God is like a dispenser. He's like a Pez machine. And I just place my order and then it shows up. This is awesome. Everything that brought me in that front door 30 years ago is no longer alive in me. But it got me praying. It taught me how to pray. It taught me how to partner with spirit. It taught me to trust. It taught me to realize that when I get triggered by something that it's my opportunity. It's an opportunity for change. But it's taken me 30 years, and I'm still a work in progress. I, my family, they're wonder, my, my brothers and sisters, they... You know, they'll, they'll tell me all the time, they're praying for me to come back to the right and perfect church. And I say, you guys keep praying, man. I need every good thought I can get. I'm not going to turn down love. That's their form of love. You got it. Thank you so much. I don't have to, I don't have to religious science them. They got a faith. They've got a tradition. They got a prayer. We honor all prayers. We honor all faiths, all traditions. We don't have to tear anybody down, burn anything down. I'm taking all the good I can get my hands on, wherever it comes from. We think we're supposed to figure out how life should be and then make it that way. And only someone who looks deeper and questions why we need the events of life to be a particular way will question this assumption. Why does life have to be the way we need it to be in order for it to be okay? How do we come up with this assumption? that life is not okay the way it is or that it won't be okay the way it'll be. Who says that the way life naturally unfolds is not all right? You know who says that? Fear. Fear says that. That's the theme of fear. It's got to be a certain way. And what Michael Singer says, and this is confusing, this is hard because what Michael Singer says is you allow life to unfold as life's going to unfold. It doesn't mean that you stick your face out and you become a punching bag. It doesn't mean that you become or have to go along with the crowd, it means that you just witness life. And you, you never lose your center, that space, the truth of our being, the eternal, beautiful, unconditional love, brilliance, genius that we are. Never. We never lose that. But when we, we slide into fear, we slide into control, we slide into anxiety about the future, regrets about the past, and we don't have tools in our life to deal with it, that becomes the central theme of our lives. And then what happens is, part of the spiritual evolution, if we go to that slide, the heart must become a sea of love, and your mind must become a river of detachment. So what Michael Singer is saying, and this comes from a separate source, but it, it comes from an Eastern tradition, is that that when we can witness life and let it wash, move through us without hooking us and taking us off the rails. 
And the way we do it, the way I know that, the only way I've been able to do it is to start small. So one of the things that we've done in our community is to bring this Q process here. The Q process is this idea of looking at our unintegrated parts of ourselves. Because I'm, listen man, I'm I'm for the highest and the best. First and foremost for myself. First and foremost for myself because I can't take anybody where I haven't gone. And when we can get a handle on this at a deeper level of, of being to realize, you know, the parts of me that I'm embarrassed about, the parts of me that I don't want to own, I'm making room for them because I'm not giving them power anymore. They are part of me. They just don't get any energy. I don't feed them. You know that story of feed the black dog or the white dog, that dream that the, the native people have, and he goes to the elder, and who will win the fight? Well, the dog that you feed. <sighs> We bring it in and we pull it close. We just don't feed it. And then it becomes a part of us. Because when you are grounded in the truth of your being, you know how powerful you are. But you don't have to use your power. You don't have to overpower anyone. You are empowered because you are transformed. And you realize everything comes. Could it be that you've traveled millions of or thousands of lifetimes and millions of miles to incarnate at this particular time, in this particular life, to give birth to something powerful at this point in time in history. Dr. Ernest Holmes said, prepare your mind to receive the best that life has to offer. If you took that one staying and, and, and crafted a life around it, your life would be phenomenal. Because every time you dipped in and said, prepare your mind to receive the best that life has to offer, you'd have to ask yourself that question. And then what you're thinking about would be informed by that statement. This becomes a mantra in your life. I am preparing. Right now, I'm about the business of preparing my mind for the best that life has to offer. I'm preparing my heart for the best that life has to offer. Is that not easy? But then what happens is the phone rings, or we watch the news, or we get cut off in traffic, or somebody at the grocery store does something that we don't like that triggers us, whatever it may be. And when we're awake and aware and we're on our path, we, we see ourselves going off the rails. We get triggered. And then we get scared. But if we can catch ourselves before we go off the rails too far, we don't have to do a cue sheet. We don't have to do a whole process. We don't have to write about it and unravel it and identify the emotions and recreate the, the narrative. But we got to start somewhere. We did our uh, debrief yesterday, and, one of the, you know, and what we do with this Q process, we had it here a few weeks ago, we're starting to enter our third week, and I'm doing it with everybody as well. I've done it once already, and I continue to write sheets, and I continue to use the practice, because you know what? I don't want to play small anymore, but I need, I need specific practices in my life to keep me tracking. I can't just come in here. If I'm sitting where you are, and I hear, prepare your mind to receive the best things that life has to offer. I got it, I got it, I got it. By the time I get to my car, I don't got it anymore. So what, what possible best idea, what best <clears throat> uh, idea could you prepare your mind for to receive the, the best that life has to offer? What is that thing that's alive in you that is phenomenally good? Turn to the person next to you and explain that to them. What's the best thing that you could possibly have in your life? If no, if no one's sitting next to you, turn to your imaginary friend and, and tell them. I'll give you 30 seconds. What's the, best, what's the best that life has to offer? There's some lonely people out here. Brenda, I'll turn the mic off. What's the best thing? Okay. Good, good. 
Because I'll tell you what, here's the deal. We are here to transform. So when, what we hear, we forget. What we see, we remember. What we say, we become. So when you say something out loud to somebody, there's greater retention. It's simple. So do you have someone that you can tell what your greatest dreams are, what your highest ideas are? Do you have a confident that just can sit there and go, yeah, I can see that for you? It's so powerful. So I just did it with three people back there. I said, yeah, I agree. Yes, you got it, you got it, you got it. Where two or more in agreement, it is done. Because we're here to transform. See, we're either here to try and figure out how to th- keep things from happening, or we're trying to figure out what to do because they did happen. So what we end up doing is fighting with creation. You know, there are things happening on the planet right now that, I don't, that, that are very, very confusing at times and troubling at times. You know, all you have to do is read comments on some of the articles on, on the Internet of, com- of complete strangers insulting one another in ways that we could not even imagine 20 years ago. It's like, wow, and what that is. So how do we look at that spiritually? Oh, they're evil. That's the devil. Stop that. Stop that fairy tale. That is ignorance. We are not born in original sin. We're born in original ignorance, and it's supposed to be that way so we can wake up. If we got everything we asked for, could you imagine what your your life would look like if you got everything you prayed for? Everything? Yeah, and where would you keep all the stuff? (laughs) Storage becomes a problem. You know what I mean? And you wouldn't appreciate it. You're right. So could it be that we have a divine purpose that's eternal? above and beyond, and we have these longings, we develop a personality, we develop preferences, and all that stuff is what we're supposed to be doing, and we're supposed to be disappointed, we're supposed to feel betrayed and abandoned at times, because then we get to look at it and realize the only betrayal is betrayal of self. The only abandonment is abandonment of self, and the only, the only entity that I can trust, not because people are untrustworthy, but people do things we don't expect. Sometimes people lie. I had a guy make a commitment to me one time and he didn't fulfill it. I called his, his dad, who I knew very well, and I said, hey, your son uh, didn't do what uh, he said he was going to do. And, he, and you know what the dad told me? He lied. <laughs> what am I going to say? It was the truth. Okay, so... And from that, we can then move forward accordingly. If someone demonstrates that they're not trustworthy, then you probably won't believe them next time. But you don't have to say, I don't believe you because you're wrong. You just have not developed the capacity to tell the truth and follow through. He's on his journey. He's not there yet. So when you're looking for somebody to rely on, you're probably not going to have him at the top of the list. Move on. Declare victory. Wow, I've already... I've already singled one out that I know I don't need to call upon. If I need somebody that's a good liar, I'll give him a call and say, hey. (laughs) Right? But how, and I know it seems funny, but how can we, this is the sane way to hold life. I mean, we have a president in the United States, God love him. I'm praying for him every day. I really am. Because this guy is, is lighting people up like never before. It's like, holy cow. We fall asleep thinking somebody's gonna save us. We are the ones we've been waiting for. And this guy has never learned how to tell the truth. 
So when we understand that and we hear something, it's not that we have to make them bad and wrong. It's just like, oh, okay, he's saying that today. But, but calling forth the right and perfect information and inspiring people into leadership, there are things stirring right now in leadership with generations, kids coming up right now we can't even imagine. Because I'll tell you what, not on our watch, gang. Not on our watch. I look at it, I might say no. No, 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 no. And it's not from judgment, it's not from hatred, it's not from fear, it's from discernment. This does not represent me. I do not support this. I support the greater good for everyone. It's not about getting smaller. It's about understanding the oneness of life. But it's easy to spin into fear when this is going on. So, the spiritual evolution. As above, so below. I love that slide. Isn't that beautiful? It's a mirror. As above, so below is so true. That is an eternal wisdom. How we are being here now. So when we duplicate the nature of spirit, the Christ consciousness, you know what that is? If you look at his life, the Christ consciousness, Rudolf Steiner wrote about this, and Steiner was a contemporary of Dr. Holmes, and Dr. Holmes pulled from Steiner. But Steiner writes a beautiful article about the Christ consciousness. The Christ consciousness is one of the redeemer. So when we embody the Christ consciousness, it is the redemption nature. It is the consciousness of redemption, which means, as he said on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is a state of grace. So when we brought the Q process into this community, it was so that we could identify the trigger so that all of a sudden the projections that were going out in there and pointing and making bad and wrong and bad and wrong and bad and wrong to realize if you're upset with somebody, you're upset with yourself. If you're angry with someone, you're angry with yourself. I mean, this is not, I'm not making this up. This is just the way life works. And we get to decide right along the way. We get to, to be the love. We can love even though we don't agree. I can love Donald Trump even though I don't agree with a lot of stuff he says. I'm still looking for something I'd agree with him. But when, when I find something, I'll let you know. So I've got something to look forward to in my life, right? But the point being is, I don't want to give that too much energy. I want to give it my discernment. Let's say that's not for me because I stand over here with this tribe, this tribe of possibility this tribe of, of, of creativity. Life, Michael Singer says, life is constantly changing, and if you're trying to control it, then you cannot fully live it. Dr. Holmes said, the thing that we need to do while we are alive is live our life fully. We are a teaching of freedom and joy. Freedom and joy. So the thoughts that you're entertaining, the thoughts that you're bringing into your life, are they nurturing freedom and joy? We had our uh, granddaughter two-year-old Audrey came over to our house on Thursday and Friday. She didn't come over on her own. We went and picked her up because she can't drive yet. <laughs> but <clears throat> anyway, we brought her in, and everything in our house in two days was in a new position by the time she left. <laughs> everything. Furniture, anything that she could get her hands on was relocated. But that's her job. She's two years old. And so to get her asleep is a bit of an art. Have you ever tried to get a two-year-old to sleep? I'm sure most of you have. And so what Laura's done, uh, putting her to sleep, has been a bit of her ritual most of the time, and she will do a long affirmative prayer with Audrey. They'll lay in the bed, and they'll read some books. Her, her ritual is to read some books, and they're books that she's read 100, 200 times, and then a long affirmative prayer. So she was in our bed, and, and Laura was on one side. I decided to lie down with the two of them to help her settle. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and do a prayer. So I did this most amazing, about 10, 15-minute affirmative prayer with Audrey. 
And, I, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm modulating my voice to get softer and softer because I, if she starts to drift off, she'll get to sleep. And so I complete this affirmative prayer. And Audrey sits up in bed and applauds. This kid recognizes talent. <laughs> we laughed. And, and see, her, her modus operandi, she's with Lampa and Lama, that's what she calls us. And, and she knows that the, the longer she stays awake, the more fun she's going to have. So we get that. But I, I just thought, well, it was just such a, a delight and a joy that this little presence, you know, sat up, and she's only just two. It's not like she's two and a half. Decided she was going to offer applause to Grandpa. But those are the joys of life, you know, that she gets it, that she's, what a wonderful thing for a, a, a young child to be immersed in this philosophy, and that you can share those ideas of possibility, you know? I mean, it's such a gift and a joy. It keeps you in the game. It's like, wow, you know, this little sponge that you can model love to because it's easy to love her. And then I look at my life and say, now, there's so-and-so. I get to try and love them, but I get to practice small. I get to practice with Audrey. That's a beautiful thing. As above, so below. So if you have no fear, you would be perfectly happy living in the world. Nothing would bother you. And the purpose of spiritual evolution the purpose of spiritual evolution is to remove the blockages that cause you fear. The blockages that cause you fear. And that's why we brought this Q process into, the, into our community. And I tell you what, I'm planting my flag with it. And it's here to stay as long as I'm, I'm, I can serve this community. Because as Ken Wilber said, and Dr. Gary Simmons told me, the thing that new thought, and we are new thought, we are not new age, but many people you know, cross-pollinates, and that's okay. But new thought has never integrated the shadow effectively. We want to just dance in the light. Everything is love. It's, 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 let's do everything with ease and grace. Oh, my God. I got a beautiful video I'm going to show you here now with uh, Lisa Nichols. Because ease and grace is a lovely idea, and it is a possibility, and it can be a way of life. But sometimes something needs to come first. I was broke. And Lisa I was Nichols. broken. I got fired from five different jobs. Yeah. And then I got pregnant with my son unexpectedly. And then at eight months, my son's father went to prison. And when my son was eight months old, I went to the ATM to get $20 out the bank because I didn't have any pampers for him. And in order to get $20 out, you got that $20 in. I had $11.42. And I still can't tell the story without getting emotional because of my story. For two days, I had to wrap my son in, in a towel. But something happened, Steve, in those two days. My son laying on his back at eight months. I have a towel over him, and I have my hand on his stomach saying, don't you worry, Jelani. Mommy will never be this broke again. And I made a decision. I was bankrupt. And every stinking thinking I had, I was bankrupt and trying to protect my pride. I was bankrupt and trying to be all that in a bag of chips and a bowl of grits falsified. I was bankrupt and trying to not ask anyone for help. I was bankrupt in everything that was holding me and keeping me where I was. I've always talked a good game, but I wasn't doing anything with my gift. And all that thing about potential, I was tired of having potential. I wanted to have my now. 
And I looked at that baby at eight months and I said, I want to transform your life because you didn't ask to come into this chaos. As an African-American male child in South Central Los Angeles, with a single mother whose father's in prison, he had a 66% chance of going to prison himself. Not on my watch. Mm. Not on my watch. So if I have to be willing to drastically transform myself so that I can become the woman that I know I can be. Right. And that's what I began to do. I was radical. See, my grandmother said that conviction and comfort don't live in the same block. If you're going to be convicted about something, you might have to go through some discomfort. But if you want to stay comfortable, why don't you just relax where you are? Because that's where you're going to stay. Right. And so are you willing to reinvent who you are? Are you willing to kill away the procrastination? Are you willing to kill away the excuses, the blame game? I never let people call me a single mom by my title. I'm Lisa Nichols, who happens to be a single mother. Don't define me by my circumstances. Define me by my intention. At some point, I have to stop asking, can I be great? Can I be brilliant? Can I be okay and still be accepted? I just stopped asking permission and just gave notice unapologetically, not in a braggadocious way, not in a way that shrunk anyone else, in a way that said, I only got one life, and I'm going to ride this one until the wheels fall off. And that was the beginning of me rescuing myself. I realized that I am my rescue. No one else is my rescue. I am my rescue. So I love that video. You are your rescue. Says everything that we stand for here. We can get bankrupt. We can get locked into our fears. We can get locked into our history, our biases, our heartbreaks, our disappointments. But as she said, you don't call me a single mom. I'm not defined as being a single mom. I am Lisa Nichols. I'll tell you what. I'm here. I, for me, I, I just get God bumps every time I watch that thing. Her story had $11.42 in the bank. And said, no, not on my watch. Made a vow to that child. So when I sit with my two-year-old grand- granddaughter, and I look at the world, i got to plant my flag somewhere. i got to say, not on my watch. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to, to on-ramp her into something that I think is possible. Can I get there? I don't know. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I got this one life, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, as she said, I'm going to drive it till the wheels fall off. Why not? We're going to give our energy. I have wasted so much time and energy defending and blaming and explaining. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, who you are, speak so loudly. I can't hear a word you're saying. If people don't get who you are by your consciousness, they're never going to get it because they're just making stuff up about you. Where are you putting your energy? Where am I putting my energy? So I'm, gonna, I'm called to ministry. I'm going to do ministry wherever it is because I know how important this is and I know that I'm called to do it. So I'm working my, my, my calling, but I'm investing in my future and my fortune. There's a greater yet to be to be revealed. And I want to be part of that conversation. I want to stand so clearly in the midst of chaos and, and confusion and anger and frustration to say, not on my watch. Enough. Enough is enough. And to do this work in consciousness, and it starts with identifying when I start going off the rails. 
when I stop dipping into fear in my history, and all that does is blocks the energy, and then the things that want to be expressed can't get expressed. I want to, tell you what, I want to be a model for my granddaughter and for other people that are close enough that can be influenced by that. That's where I make a difference. So that this little girl grows up and says, I can do this. I can do something beautiful. And to on-ramp her, and to help her identify what her, what her triggers are because I'll have it so, so well down in my own vocabulary. Because over time, as Dr. Gary said the other day, we did the debrief, our, our, our two-week debrief. Every seven days, we do a debrief. And he said, eventually, you get to the point where you start to get triggered and you don't have to do a sheet because you catch yourself. Because the, the, the definition of enlightenment is you go from trigger to gratitude immediately. This has come for me. Oh, I'm getting scared. Oh, this is awesome. This is pointing something out to me that I lived a whole life, I framed a whole life with this. You know, this, what's, what's happening now on the planet, if you look, there's people like, uh, you know, there's Bill Cosby that came up a, a year or two ago about the accusations around the marginalization of women, and now Har- Harvey Weinstein and all these, these Hollywood uh, uh, stars and, and actresses that have been victimized in this Me Too movement. And it's important we bring it into the light, and it's important we shift the consciousness. I was in that environment for 20 years. And as a male in that environment, wanting to be rich and famous and after it and after it, that was prevalent. We knew the casting directors to stay away from. We knew the agents. I mean, it was on both sides of the, of the table, and I'm not trying to, because the, it was, it's, you know, it was alive. It was a consciousness. And because we longed so much for the gift that they could possibly deliver, many people fell into that trap. But the point is, is it's, it's time for it to go. It comes into the light so we can purify it. It needs to be purified. It needs, there's a bigger idea that can be given birth here. Not to feed that dysfunction and an unfilled uh, void within those, those people. But it's our opportunity to bring healing to it and awareness and an authentic conversation. And so when I look at those things that are bubbling up, those, that can create fear in me or I can, it, can, it can girder my conviction to make a difference. So when I, tell you, when I talk about this Q process... We brought this Q process to this community because I watched what was going on here and I thought, this is not what we teach. This is, does not represent. There were so many things happening in terms of conversation that was not reflective of what we teach. And there's a gift in that. But I said, how can we integrate and live in the fullness of our spiritual reality and celebrate life and be the change that we want to see in the world? And so the baton of consciousness that we pass to our next generation, our grandchildren, our children, is something that we feel f- fulfilled and powerful and give them a different opportunity than we've had. And so this is how life works, but it would not have happened until we got to this point. I was there, I saw it all, it never occurred to me to try and change it. I just tried to avoid it. I knew where not to go with all my other buddies. Oh, I'm over there, I won't go. It never occurred to me to take a stand, and, and if, if I stood in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard and screamed about it, no one would have listened because it wasn't ready, the consciousness wasn't ready. So I can look at it as I didn't do my part. Me not doing my part, I failed people. When in fact, I I didn't even have the awareness that I could do something like that. But people are stepping up now. But this is how this works. And it's not good or bad, right or wrong. We have to punish. No, we just have to stop it and put our energy somewhere else. Stop blaming and shaming and needing to punish everybody. Just stop it. And if people don't behave, then we put them somewhere where they will behave. But let's put our energy into our future and possibility and healing and vibrancy. What happens is we get pulled down into disturbed energy and we end up exactly where we don't belong. The last place you want to put your consciousness is down there. 
hating and blaming and shaming and comparing, gossiping. A few weeks back, you know, people are talking about going back and have coffee. They don't like going back and have coffee. People are gossiping. Well, when people are gossiping, saying things you shouldn't be sharing with you, just tell them, I'm not going to listen to that. Thank you so much. Can I get your cookie over here? How can I help you with that? Have you talked to a practitioner? Go talk to a practitioner. Get a new idea around that. That's how we change this, folks. We do it in the small, where we get triggered, where we call one another with love. We build the consciousness to make, it, make the difference. What uh, Michael Singer, in the end of this chapter, says, one of the keys is to always look up. One of the keys is to always look up, and he means physically look up. This comes from Emma Curtis Hopkins. As I read his stuff, I see all of the influences of Ernest Holmes and some of the great teachers that have gone before. But to physically look up, Emma always says on Monday, look up to God. And she says, lift your eyes up and and relax your heart. Look up to God and relax your heart. Michael Singer says we must let go. When we're grounded in the truth of our being, letting go is much easier and simpler because we, we know who we are. There's one life, that life is perfect, that life is God, that life is my life now standing in that. That's why we repeat that. That's why we have affirmative prayer. That's why we have practitioners that come and do this work and are devoted to it to help shift and change and transform consciousness. People that hold the high watch here so that we come in and our tendency is to want to gossip or talk or blame about someone else that we can say, you know what? There's probably a different conversation we can have. What can we collaborate on to give birth to? And it's a beautiful opportunity. It's a beautiful... I mean, for me, it's... it's as I move along and I see the world unfolding, I'm just so grateful to be immersed in this because I have a place to put my energy that I think can be valuable and productive. Dr. Holmes said, well, first of all, it says letting go. In order to be who you are, you have to be willing to let go of who you think you are. And then Dr. Holmes says, each one of us is an outlet to God and an inlet to God. What kind of outlet and inlet are you of God? That's our opportunity. In the last slide, I want to share with you, when prayer removes distrust and doubt and enters the field of mental certainty, it becomes faith. And the universe is built on faith. So understanding who you are and whose you are, the Christed consciousness, the Redeemer, we're here to have these experiences so we can bring redemption to them, give a new idea, a new possibility. That's the tribe we're part of. That's why we celebrate all traditions. There are mystics in every tradition. And there are knuckleheads in every tradition. We have all of humanity here. There's liars in every tradition. There's people that are never going to do their cue process. There are people that are never going to integrate their their shadow work, and that's okay. We love them anyway, but we understand it now. Oh, they got unresolved issues. And, and And it's not mine to try and fix that. I can have compassion and love, but if people refuse to step in and take responsibility for their own transformation, there's nothing we can do for them. That's the reality. That doesn't mean we don't care. We care deeply. But we cannot lose ourselves and, and, and slide off the rails because someone else has gone off the rails. As I said, once, you can, once you've convinced me you're, you're broken and helpless, I can't help you. I need to hold the highest vision and possibility for you in your life. Absolutely. That's what I'm called to do. That's what we're all called to do, to understand how transformation takes place. And it's, we start with the small. If we can do it in the, in the grocery store with one another, if we can do it with our two-year-old granddaughters and grandsons, our sons and daughters, our, our friends and neighbors, that's where we practice. 
to look up to God and relax our heart. As Michael Singer says, let it go. So much stuff we grab onto, and what it does is it blocks our hearts. We hang on, and the energy blocks us. And and the the energy of fear is one of the lowest common denominators. And you know when you're operating from fear. And the beauty is that when you know it, you can shift it. So many people don't even know it, don't realize it. So we are so much farther. It's not like we have... It's not like we have a long way to go, gang. If you're sitting in this room, you've done a lot of this work already. You're already awake and aware. There's something alive in you that is unique and powerful and beautiful. It's not like you're going from zero to 1,000. No, you're at, you're at about 925, ready to tip over the scales at 1,000. That's what I would say. You're closer than you think. You're more powerful than you think. You're more beautiful than you think. You're more creative than you think. So thank you for being you. Keep being you and watch yourself. Be mindful where you start to get triggered, where you can bring that and let go and let God. doesn't mean we don't care. It means we realize who we are and whose we are. We're here to co-create. We have come here to make a difference. Not on my watch. To stand in conviction. Because if you're for comfortable, just stay home. Conviction is what it takes sometimes. And that becomes uncomfortable. Reverend Catherine Yates said over and over and over to me, because I was always pulling for the pleasure, get comfortable being uncomfortable, because she knew what this journey would be. And she said it with love and certainty and clarity. So God bless you, Reverend Catherine, and God bless all of you. And so it is.